We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the Rotowire Basketball Podcast, brought to you, as always, by DraftKings.com. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS on DraftKings. That'll get you a free contest entry with your first deposit today. All right, it is Thursday, November 19th, the year 2015. Nick Whalen joined, as I always am, on Thursdays by Rotowire's James Anderson. James, we have a couple topics that we want to cover uh, in this podcast. We've kind of been doing a little bit of a, a grab bag, I guess, of, of different topics, depending on what's going on uh, in the association at the time. We're now a little over three weeks into the season, uh, just three games on this Thursday night, including the Bucks making their first TNT appearance in, I think it's just under 13 years, which is both impressive and, and equal parts sad, I guess. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Wednesday's games. We'll talk about the Rockets situation, a little bit about the Warriors 
And we want to focus on some of the prospects looking ahead to the 2016 draft. Of course, on Tuesday night, we got to see a lot of those guys um, you know, on display in that, in that Champions Classic in Chicago. Duke was playing Kentucky. Uh, we can talk maybe a little bit about Denzel Valentine, who put on a show for Michigan State as well. But uh, how are you doing on this Thursday afternoon? Uh, well, we're going to have to overcome a, a major oversight by both of us to start things off here. We we have the TV on, and for uh, you know who who knows why it's on NFL Network, but that's uh, a big uh, big error on our part. Well, the way so. the studio the way the studio TV works is we're at the mercy. It's like hardwired into our to our TVs in the office, so like whatever's right. on outside, we only get a choice of like two or three channels. Well, the the NFL guys were doing the pod last night, and they had. NFL network on but you know I, I try to avoid that network whenever right. I can uh, so yeah I mean we're gonna have to uh, really step it up to kind of overcome that uh, being on in the background well especially I mean you see on the tv here James the, the countdown that they have to tonight's slugfest oh Jags Titans I, they play football I think on I've, made, I've made it clear that I'm a pretty big Jags fan at least on the NFL podcast so this is all right, I mean, this is. I'm going to be already distracted. Too much Jags I'm going to be distracted. Right. So if you know, if, if we go off the wagon at all, blame the Jaguars. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about a, a little bit about Wednesday night's games. We saw the Hornets beat the Nets. The Nets are still bad. Timberwolves fell to the Magic in overtime, and this T Wolves team plays a hell of a lot better with Ricky Rubio in the lineup. That's for sure. He had a nice game. This one didn't shoot it all that well, but 12 assists, 12 rebounds to go with eight points. Andrew Wiggins has kind of woken up. It seems after a little bit of a sluggish first few games. Um, he's kind of back to what we saw last year, getting to the line 14 times in this one, obviously being very aggressive. Carl Towns, 21 and 12. I think it was Bill Simmons that threw out uh, maybe a week or two ago that Carl Towns is already a top 25 player in the league. I think you and I are both very high on him, and, and rightfully so. But I mean, is that a legitimate? Is that a legitimate claim at this point? I don't know if we can. We don't want to go through and rank all you know top 25 players, but I think he's certainly in that conversation, right? Yeah, I think uh, that might be a little overzealous. Like, I mean, it just sort of depends how you define top twenty. Like, if you were going into like a say a conference finals series, I think I might be able to list twenty five guys I'd rather have on the mm-hmm. roster than Carl uh, Anthony Towns. But I mean, he's probably a top three or four asset in the league already so yeah I, that's I definitely one way to phrase it, it. Yeah. and if he is in the top 25 he's probably like number 24 yeah. or number 25 but yeah I mean I think that just speaks to the impact that he's had and you know people have been suggesting you know all the the Chris Stapps mania that's been going on in New York is what if what if Towns was doing this in New York I mean Chris Stapps has been good don't get me wrong mm-hmm. obviously coming off his best performance earlier this week but I mean, Towns has just been a monster and he is getting plenty of attention but you got to think if he was doing it in New York or LA things would be on a kind of a manic level yeah I I kind of like that it's not I, I I don't really like the it, I almost get turned off by the Porzingis mania, like a little bit. I, like I, I just don't. I get kind of super weary of of storylines like this that get super played out, where like the casual fans just freaking out about a guy. I mean, does he get a sign with the Rockets in the off season and then end up spiking his hair up for the for the Hornets a couple of years later? Uh, the the Rockets could definitely use uh, Porzingis. That's that's for sure. But yeah. I I, I kind of like that T- Towns is a little under the radar because if he was in like a major market, it would just be getting so shoved down our throats. It's nice to be able to kind of sit back. And watch him without, you know, constantly hearing about it. I mean, we know how good he is. Right. I, don't, I don't need to constantly hear about it from is he casual a, fans. Is he a better asset than Andrew Wiggins at this point? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I like, I love Wiggins, but I mean, I don't. I don't yeah, I think, think that speaks more debatable. toward yeah. more toward what Towns' value is than Wiggins. And yeah, I mean, obviously the future 
very bright behind those two in Minnesota. Dallas Mavericks beat Boston, <clears throat> excuse me, last night. Fifth straight win for Dallas. They now move to eight and four. Uh, they haven't really beaten the greatest teams. You know, got a win over New mm-hmm. Orleans, a, a couple wins over the Lakers, Philadelphia, Boston, like we said, Houston uh, over the weekend. They did beat the Clippers though last Wednesday. That's probably their signature win at this point. I mean, Boston's not a bad team. No, Boston, Boston's not a bad team. Boston, Boston's a deep didn't team. They win, didn't they beat like? Uh, Beat OKC, OKC, and then somebody else like back to back in the um, West. They might have been the. They beat the Rockets. Rock, yeah, they went, and then they, they beat went. the Hawks. They beat yeah. a, a up and down at least Bucks team. They I beat mean, the Wizards. The the Mavericks. We both uh, I think had them missing the playoffs, but I also thought that they would be a bit more aggressive about tanking, and they're kind of in a tough spot where they either need they can't just be you know bottom or top half of the lot or bottom half of the lottery like because their their pick they either need to be really really bad or try to make the playoffs uh, otherwise they lose their pick so um yeah i i think that if i knew that they were going to kind of go for it uh, this wouldn't surprise me because rick carlisle <clears throat> is you know a top five coach in the league i don't i don't think that's debatable he constantly gets his teams to overachieve dirk nowitzki has probably been underrated for the past two or three years just in terms of his i mean he's not Dirk's a been great, incredible this year yeah he's never you know he's never going to put up those crazy you know fantasy stats or anything like that but he's a guy that when he's on the floor uh really makes everyone better kind of to the extent that i don't i don't know any forward in the league can other than lebron uh where just the defense it just changes so many things for them on on offense so uh, not that surprising that they've gotten off to a nice start considering they're aggressively trying to win games. They're playing Wes Matthews and Parsons. They're they're sitting – they had that one game where they sat all three of those guys uh, kind of Spursian. So uh, if they keep doing this, I, I definitely think they can go get the 7 or 8 seed out West, especially considering how bad the Pelicans have been. Yeah, and they're doing this with Chandler Parsons not even playing full minutes. So, you know, once they once he gets kind of back into the groove of things coming well, off they that have Zaza. fracture, they have Zaza. Well, that's a big part of it. Right. I was going to say, I mean, Dirk has been great. <laughs> Rick Carlisle obviously deserves a lot of credit. And then Zaza Pachulia. I, I mean, it's crazy. I, I, I certainly did not respect Zaza Pachulia until I saw him firsthand with the Bucks for the last couple of years. And, I mean, it's he just gets things done. I don't know how Mad he does respect. it, but he, he, he somehow defends well for his size and for his athleticism. And... Yeah, I mean, you lose Tyson Chandler, you expect this defense to get noticeably worse, and they haven't been awesome on defense, but they've been certainly much better than I think people expected, and like you said, it's pretty incredible how Dirk is able to affect games when he's a complete net negative on defense. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, imagine imagine you're playing like pickup and Dirk's on one of the teams, like, that's just kind of terrifying because, I mean, it, it, there's really nothing he can't do. Uh, when he has the ball in one of his spots, you know, out, out there on the the wing, so uh, still really impressive what what he's able to do. So efficient, uh, so great at kind of doing kind of old veteran moves to kind of get his shot when he wants it and uh, making the right right decision at all times. So yeah, big fan of Dirks. Kind of happy to see them sort of hanging on with this this new crew. Yeah, you talked about that Dallas draft pick uh, real quickly. Top seven protected this year in 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. So essentially what that means, if they don't finish in the bottom seven in the lottery, they give that pick up to Boston. And, you know, the way things are looking right now, that's probably going to be an extra first-rounder for the Celtics. This actually, you know, it wouldn't be the worst year to just get that pick 
you know, just get, get out of it. Because, like, if you <clears throat> say that's like the, um, so they would give it up, right? If 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 they you know were the seven or eight seed, Boston gets that pick, right? Like as long as like Dallas doesn't, 16. as yeah. long as Dallas isn't seventh or higher. In the so lottery. this would be a good year, I think. Um, you know, I don't know if there were other games you wanted to talk about, but I mean, we're going to talk about the upcoming draft class uh here in a minute and and after the top three or four maybe uh not a not a great draft especially compared to the last two classes where i think you're you're basically looking at role players after after those top three or four guys and uh if you give if you have to give up you know the 14th or 15th pick to boston this year i think this would be a good year to kind of get that out of the way Right, and if and if you're gonna do it, you know, obviously you want that pick to be as far back in the draft as possible. You don't want to be giving them the eighth right, pick, and right. you know, I don't, I don't know if Dallas maybe, I don't think Dallas probably is gonna get into the and the twenties, but yeah, if you well, if you can make that pick the seventeenth pick, you feel a lot better. About and I it. think at this point, I don't I don't see any reason for them to just not go for it and try to get no. in. You know, no, get, and the way, I mean, especially yeah. the way you look at the way Houston's playing, the way right. Memphis is playing, OKC looking shaky with Durant's health. I mean. Obviously, I think Oklahoma City is a shoe, and at this point, New Orleans sitting at one and eleven. I mean, the West is open. There are spots open that we didn't think would be open right now. Right, and you know, in in all, I mean, realistically, you're not gonna win the title if you're right. the Mavs, but you might as well just get in and just you know see what happens. Do that for your fans, uh, and be, stay competitive so that people keep coming to the arena every night. I mean, there's there's really no downside to them trying to get the the fifth or sixth right and you, it's not like you have they're not in a situation like the lakers or the knicks where you have these young young pieces that you're trying to develop i mean your, your core players mm-hmm. obviously you have dirk and he's he's at the end of his career but west matthews chandler parsons these are guys that are in you know close to their prime or right. in their prime so you really don't have any reason to to tank especially when there's no incentive to get that high pick and i think that they still just and i i really respect kind of the way that they're going about it where as long as they have dirk and he's playing at this level they're not gonna tank and i think a lot of teams would have uh probably gone a different route by now but i, I like the way that they're kind of uh just sort of respecting what dirk's done for that organization and and eventually when he does move on i think they might just go completely bottom up and and go for some uh, young assets but right now they you know they they might have another move or two to make too if if they remain competitive so uh you know fun team to watch right now yeah surprisingly very fun team to watch a team that we i don't think thought would get out to this kind of start we'll talk about the rockets now they come back uh they outscore the blazers by 15 in the fourth quarter after being down big in the second half of this one it looked like they were cruising toward you know what's been a pretty familiar look for this rockets team early in the year and then jb bickerstaff's first game they come roaring back in the fourth. James Harden plays very well down the stretch. You know, at the end, he finished 11 of 29, 4 of 15 from three. The numbers aren't going to look that good, but he was basically the reason that they ended up winning this game. 19 of 20 from the line. 19, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's astounding. Borderline ridiculous. Um, but yeah, at the end of this game, they're down three. Harden comes up court. I think there's three or four seconds left. Looked like he was going to pull up from close to 40 feet, ends mm-hmm. up swinging it around to to Corey Brewer on kind of a crazy jump pass. Brewer catches and just kind of flicks it at the rim and and ended up being the tying three-pointer with about .9 seconds, I believe it was, left. Portland wasn't able to get a shot off. Um, <clears throat> they go to overtime, and James Harden just took over. I mean, he scored all nine points in the overtime period for the Rockets, a mixture of jumpers, drives, kind of the old James Harden that we've seen, the James Harden that hasn't been as aggressive as anybody expected. So 
I guess we can start with the, the decision to fire Kevin McHale. So going into Wednesday night, they were 4-7, and seven, obviously a very disappointing start for a team that I think many thought would be right up there with San Antonio and OKC, um, you know, not to mention a couple other teams in the West that, that could contend with Golden State. And things just have not looked good. The Ty Lawson experiment hasn't really worked out yet. He came off the bench uh, in Bickerstaff's first game on Wednesday. I guess what was your overall feel? Was that the right move to move on from Kevin McHale? Yeah, I I don't I've never really thought he was an above average coach and you know that I one of my buddies texted me uh kind of dismayed about that move like you know how why would they fire Kevin McHale like they they got to the Western Conference Finals last year like all this stuff and in the NBA like if if guys aren't trying like if if you're not getting um a solid effort from your your best players night in night out firing the coach really is kind of the only thing you can do I mean you can't fire the players there's the only way you're really going to send a message is to get rid of the coach and you know the the Rockets and this has been an issue dating back to you know multiple years where they just like they'll take games off and they will just completely no show like that happened a couple times in the playoffs. And that's on like, the coach, you know. Right? I mean, that's like, something that's on the coach. Whether or not, you, whether or not it looks it, like the it, right move or not, that's it's his. It's, like it could be that like there's. It's possible that Kevin McHale just had zero way of of reaching these guys and getting them to show up every single night. Um, but that's still gonna end with him losing his job. Like it's it's not a thing where uh, you can go and just yell at James Harden if you're Daryl Morey about like taking games off like the the only the only person that can really do that is is the coach that's that's your job is to get your guys to show up every single night so uh the fact that they got off to this super uh weird start that nobody really saw coming the fact that they were constantly uh sort of no showing especially on the defensive end you know I don't really know what how Bickerstaff's going to do in that role but it's it's a results business and and coaches in the NBA especially when you're like Kevin McHale's not a guy like Rick Carlisle who's going to get the benefit of the doubt when a guy like Rajon Rondo is a, is a pain in the ass after you trade for him like Kevin McHale is is very expendable so it's not a not a big surprise to me well a lot of the main criticism that came with this move is you know the Rockets just aren't hitting open shots James Harden's taking bad shots Ty Lawson and, and guys like Corey Brewer Trevor Reza just aren't hitting at their their career average rates I mean you look at Harden a guy who's in open looks, what NBA.com slash stats, I should say, defines as an open look. No defender within four to six feet. He's shooting 27% on open three-pointers. And, you know, that's a number that last season was up around 40%. And you got to think eventually that'll come around, whether that's on the coaching staff or not, who knows. But I think just the fact, like you said, that they it was, like, noticeable. You're watching this Rockets team, and you just see the effort isn't there, especially defensively. They're a bottom five defensive team right, right now. And that, that shouldn't happen. They're and down with, like, the Lakers. They're like a bottom Warriors. three rebounding yeah. team, I mean, too. That, yeah, okay. So it's it's just – those are – that's effort. Rebounding right. and defense, that's that's effort. Like, you can't – there's no way around that, really. So uh, surprise, surprisingly, Memphis a bottom three defensive team right now. Things are weird right now um, right, with defense. But – but yeah, I mean, like they're down. Like here's the bottom seven according to, or bottom eight according to John Hollinger's efficiency rankings: Portland, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Houston, Lakers, Memphis, Bucks, Pelicans. So if you're if you're the, the Rockets and you're down with uh, six of basically six of the worst teams in the league, you're down there. I mean, that's 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 no good. So 
Uh, I definitely get it. It's you, yeah, you make a good point about the missing open shots, but I don't I don't really think that's what the firing boiled down to. I think it was more just a lack of effort, lack of defense. Well, Daryl Morey also made it an interesting point too when asked about it, and he basically said that we don't have time. You know, we don't have mm-hmm. time to wait around if this continues for another month because with as competitive as the Western Conference is, nothing's really guaranteed. And all of a sudden, yeah. if you know, if the Rockets are sitting six, seven games under five hundred come January, it might be too late to turn things around. And, so, and I think Mikhail's just kind of one of those old school guys that really doesn't have. It was a weird fit, right? Like, I think it was. I think like, everybody was surprised his, how well it worked. His voice to me would not resonate in a locker room. Like, you can be like if you're Popovich or. You know, I think Carlisle is probably a little old school. Tibbs is a little old school. I don't even think – I think Tibbs is the most overrated coach in the league, but you know, he's not even coaching right now. But, like, you're Popovich. You can be your sort of old school self, but he's also pretty new school. Like, he's not he's not old school across the board. Like, he's an innovator in a lot of ways when it comes to managing rotations and stuff like that. So uh, – I think McHale's just kind of one of those guys that would have fit in a lot better maybe in like the 90s as a coach. And you're you're moving towards more kind of guys like Frank Vogel, Eric Spolstra, uh, Luke Walton, go Cats. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of young Jason Kidd, a lot of young coaches that I think uh, reach players better than a guy like McHale. Are you worried about this Rockets team now? I mean, do, do you think this coaching change is going to be the the invigoration that they needed? I think they're just going to get like a 7th or 8th seed and maybe do some damage when they get in. You know, yeah. they're, I mean, they're, they're certainly a team you don't want to play no matter yeah, what. They're still not a team that you want to play, especially if they can get healthy in the front court. Uh, mm-hmm. Dwight's been kind of weird. Like I would I would honestly just give Dwight like a month off or something we like that. We talked about Dwight you know? and like I mean he's been insisting this whole season, you know, they rested him a little bit early in the year. He's been sitting out some back-to-backs and he's basically saying like I'm fine, I'm fine, but Five shot attempts Wednesday night, four shot attempts Monday night, didn't play Saturday, six shot attempts in Friday's game. Like, he's just not a part of the offense right now. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just, you know, they're out of sync. They don't know how to use Lawson. Harden's pushing things. I, it's just a weird, it's a weird phenomenon because when Dwight was healthy in the playoffs last year, I mean, this is when they were at their peak. And, and he was looking like, you know, 2007 Dwight. And I think those days might long be past us, I, I guess. But I do agree with you. I think just sit him out, make sure he's and, 100% healthy, and find ways to get him involved other than just tippins. Like if you can go into the postseason and you have a healthy Modi Yunus and a healthy Patrick Beverly and you're playing like Dwight Howard like 20, 25 minutes a game, like that's a really dangerous team, uh, especially you know guys like – I think Dwight needs to be more than that though. This guy's 29 years old. And he's, he shouldn't be an ancillary piece for them. I mean, Well, he can be – like I just think he should be like their Tyson Chandler, basically. Like that's that's kind of the role that I think he should have on that team. I think Clint Capella can more than handle a twenty minute a game role. Uh so you're basically just kinda asking those two guys to combine for around forty six, forty eight minutes and then you get uh maybe Moda Yunus a couple a couple minutes at center and uh I just love I think they're at their best when they kinda go small and just you know, like what they were doing last year in that Clippers series where it was just ridiculous you know pressing and fast break points you get Ariza Brewer guys like Marcus Thornton just gunning threes I think that's when they're at their best and uh just really fast pace and that that means one big on the floor and the rest kind of just running and gunning yeah it's it's very odd how Dwight has fallen off I guess I mean he was a consensus what top four player in 2010 oh yeah I mean I mean is he even in the top 25 right now no 
Is he in the top 50? He's in my top 25. You know I'm, a, I'm as ardent a, a Dwight supporter as anyone. He's in your top 25 When right healthy, now. yes. When what healthy, you, I think What he, do you mean? What, I think he's better mean? than Drummond when he's healthy. What, like, what... Go back to, like, when was the last time you saw Dwight Howard playing okay. and thought, like, <laughs> two yeah, weeks, this two is weeks the Dwight ago Howard against, I love. Or one week ago against the Nets. 2017, five blocks. Game before that against the Clippers. 2020, three assists, a block. I mean, the, he can do it all when he's actually healthy and engaged. I just don't know, like, when you're ever going to see him do that, like, over, say, like, a month or over yeah, a that's, couple Yeah, well, months. that's the thing. That's true. Like, that's if true. he can't do – if you don't have any – optimism of him being able to do that over like a month or two i don't i don't think that makes him a top yeah. five guy and that's fair that's fair i mean they, you, the longevity has to have something to do with it and he really hasn't proved to be able to stay healthy since really leaving orlando um anything else you want to touch on with the rockets uh no all right let's take a look at other games from wednesday real quickly i just want to touch on the bulls uh the, well i guess we should probably first on the list would be the raptors and there's really only one thing we need to talk about from this game. We considered just launching a separate podcast oh, based right. on the, the DeMar DeRozan <laughs> annihilation of Rudy Gobert. Uh, this was a game I wasn't watching live. But I think at this point, if you're on Twitter or any kind of social media, it's pretty much impossible to have missed this. Um, the Jazz ended up winning the game. I, that's kind of an ancillary point. But DeRozan, I mean, is this the best in-game dunk that you've seen in a while? Uh... Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to think because I mean you do get a couple of these per year. I think so. Terrence uh, Ross there was, had well, there, one. There didn't was he? that one. Yeah, ter- was that Terrence Ross? Last like a just. fast break, um, threw down in a guy's face. LeBron actually had a couple last season. I don't too. like. I don't. I'm not as impressed by like that that one LeBron like John Lucas one. Like I don't really care about that. What one. do you like? Jump like, right up. Yeah, that was like not like that was like he kind of the degree difficulty on that is like zero basically for well, LeBron. For LeBron, for LeBron, like, that's, yeah. that's I'm always more impressed by like a fancy dunk than I'm, like a contested dunk. I'm always more impressed when it's fancy and contested and not an oop. Like so I don't, basically Vince Carter. Well, like the I thought the I mean DeRozan cocked that back. I mean it wasn't like. Well, it was one of those where like he made contact with Gobert right. and, like, and just kind of floated for a second and yeah. then was able to throw it down. So, I mean, I mean, Wiggins almost had what would have been a bigger one on right. Gobert two nights ago. Right. Uh, that photo of Wiggins My from the God. back was pretty and, great. And that was, I mean, if you watch the replay, like, I mean, he was followed, obviously, but it, he very easily could have finished that one. That would have been, I think, bigger yeah. than DeRozan's. Yeah, DeRozan's, though, I mean, best dunk of the year, probably. I mean, it might just stand as the best dunk of the year. Who knows? Uh, you know, maybe... Maybe someone like Wiggins or Westbrook or Blake or someone tops it. But, yeah, definitely uh, going to be a tough one to beat. Yeah. Do you have a, an all-time favorite in-game dunk that you can always think of? Um, I mean, I, I, not off the top of my head. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, Sean Kemp dunks would probably be in the mix. Uh, MJ, uh, I mean, uh, Pippen over – Pippen over uh, Ewing's good. Um, Ricky Davis threw the legs in game. The the uh, <laughs> the um, John, that one John Starks dunk is yep. pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean I don't not off the, the top Jamal of my Crawford head, between the legs alley oop to Griffin for the windmill layup a couple years ago was up there. That was against the Bucks. So that, I mean that one really hit home. Sure. But that, I mean that was pretty cool. You don't really see you don't see. I don't know. Maybe you're more of a, a contested dunker than a than a fast break well, guy. Oh, um, actually, one of my favorites is actually that one Gerald Green one. Oh, um, the the Nets Gerald Green one. 
was that was that what it was? Where, where he, was like, he the, like caught the windmill? Yeah, yeah, and he was like his like entire head was yeah. like above the rim. That that, that was, might be that the most impressive I think yeah. I've ever seen. I mean, if you watch like the Vince Carter top one hundred dunks on YouTube, there's like six of those. But still, I mean, of the last I mean, five six years, it, that's up there. Gerald Green just has the type of body though where it looks almost more impressive. Yeah. Where it's just insane that. That that guy of that size is just doing stuff like that. It, it's he's really, one of those guys you kind of wish would have like a really GoPro on at practice. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. we only get to see a, he's a guy who comes off the bench and like plays twenty minutes. Like who knows what would happen if he was actually out there more often? But yeah, all good choices. Real quickly, just wrapping up Wednesday's games: Bulls one hundred three, Suns ninety seven. This was the late game on ESPN. People getting a chance to see the Suns on the national scale. And I don't know, did you get to watch any of this one? Uh, I did not. But uh, Jimmy Butler pretty much. I'm, I'm down with that. One. Jimmy Butler keeping Nashville's everything around me in first place in the staff keeper league. So uh, props to you, Jimmy Butler. Uh, props to Paul George and Russell yep. Westbrook as well for for keeping keeping the squad in in first place. It's a hell of a squad. You got those things. way way ahead of uh, Kreitz and McEwen. I, I would have to assume. <laughs> I, I don't know where their teams are. I don't look that far down in the standings, oh. but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it squads, is worth noting that the great, the great Shannon right McEwen now. did pull take in last place on our on our RotoWire DraftKings contest. Oh, nice on Thursday. Well, good for him. Good, good for job. Him. Uh, <laughs> also got Draymond Green on on the squad. I think he's like yep. third by by player rate right now because he's almost averaging a triple double. Yeah, he's, he's kind of making up for what Clay Thompson's not doing. Brandon Knight, twenty one points, five assists, four rebounds, over a steal per game in his last eight. Uh, guy who had that 30-15-10 game, his first career triple-double on Monday against the Lakers, so maybe slap an asterisk on there. But maybe the Bucks might be regretting trading Michael Carter-Williams. Trading for, yeah. Uh, or trading, yeah, trading night for Michael Carter-Williams. Yeah, that one's not looking good. I I didn't mind the the gamble. Like It was it was definitely a, a roll of the dice where you were like, if we can kind of fix Michael Carter-Williams, like we could – not only be like the best defensive team in right. the league, but um, and it was relatively low risk, I guess. You know, it's not like Brandon Knight. I no, mean, no financially, I don't think they wanted to commit right. to Knight, uh, which well, I, that's the biggest thing. Of this is like Michael Carter Williams designed his rookie deal for another year, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't work out, they, right. they're not obligated to keep him around. And I think that you can find you can find another Brandon Knight a lot easier than you can find like another like Chris Middleton or Giannis. So I understand uh, wanting to commit to those guys long-term and then try to try to draft another Brandon Knight if the Carter-Williams thing doesn't work out. But it definitely kind of limits uh, their potential this year and next. Right, and that's one way to look at it, too, is that it wasn't just like a straight-up choice between Michael Carter-Williams and Brandon Knight. It right. was a, do we want to pay Brandon Knight $80 million? Because if they did that, they wouldn't be able to offer the money to Greg Monroe. Uh, well, I guess you could look at it multiple ways. They would either have not paid Chris Middleton or not been able to even have a run at Monroe. So there's all these I ripple effects. I think I would probably rather have Knight than Monroe, um, but I'd rather have yeah, Middleton I mean, the, than all three. Things got, it it depends because then you could you – know, are, are you comfortable going with John Henson as your starting center? I think maybe I mean, you a lot of people Zaza probably would back. Be. Right, yeah, you could bring Zaza <laughs> back. I mean, the Larry Sanders thing is what kind of threw a wrench in right. all these plans, honestly. Um but yeah, I mean, I think it's been maybe a little bit oversimplified, especially with Knight's breakout over the last week. Of you know, man, can't believe the can't believe the Bucks traded this guy straight up for Carter Williams, and it's like, well, there were there were some other factors, but still, maybe not looking like the greatest call by the Bucks as of now, but still early uh, in Carter Williams' first full season with the Bucks. 
Let's shift now to the prospects. You wrote something on the site. Uh, this was posted uh, Wednesday afternoon, kind of breaking down the future pro prospects of that Duke-Kentucky matchup that we saw on Tuesday night. Brandon Ingram, Grayson Allen, Jefferson and Plumlee for Duke, and then you know so many guys on this Kentucky team that could end up turning pro. So we'll talk about those guys. We'll talk about some of the other uh, prospects at the top of this draft. But like you mentioned earlier, you, you think this is probably a more shallow draft than we've seen in the last couple of years? I do. Uh you know, they it's loaded at the in the top two, right? You got uh, Ben Simmons and Scalabissier. Uh, they're going to go one, two, and in, in some order. I, I think, uh, you know, Kentucky always seems to have a center who is going to be in the mix for the number one pick, and I think Labissier, like he's got a Nerlens Noel body, but like the potential to have sort of like a, a poor man's Anthony Davis game. He's a little smoother than Noel, I think. Better touch. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's he's actually got an offensive game. Right, that's like, what I mean, uh, like, but they look, I mean, they but look like, similar. That's, but that's the, the worry with, with Scal is that the, the body is just not really ready yet. He is thin. Uh, and he's... He's raw too. Like he's not as experienced playing against elite competition as a guy like Ben Simmons is. Uh, I think Ben Simmons really, you know, I hate the, uh, you know, you'll see next LeBron comps on well, like the, the, every yeah every the comp that I'm wing, looking at know? right now is LeBron slash Lamar Odom. I think he is like if you watch Ben Simmons highlights and and granted they've played teams where the best players haven't even gone through puberty yet so far. Uh, this season, but you know, if you watch just what he's doing to the, these these terrible teams LSU scheduled in the non in the non conference, he does look a lot like LeBron. Like he actually, it's kind of a, a Kobe MJ thing where you can tell that he's styled his moves and his game like, right directly, e- even down LeBron. to like you know he's throwing like, around the back passes, which like you just, just you rarely see at the college his, game. His post like. Just everything about like the way that he like when he gets the ball in the post, like he he's just mimicking LeBron. So, yep. uh, and he's got the body too. I mean, it's very similar body to LeBron. I don't know if he's quite the athlete. Though. No, no, that's the thing. That's and the, to be LeBron to play like LeBron, you have to be that kind of athlete. He's, he, he takes and makes so many difficult shots. He's uh, basically the same athlete right now that LeBron is right now. You know, so like, yeah, I think like, that's somewhat fair. Like, yeah, he's not gonna have. Like when LeBron was a rookie, you know, second, third, fourth year, he's never going to be that kind of athlete. But he's still an above-average athlete, um, and he's right. He's he can do pretty much everything. That's going to lead to the LeBron comps. He's a willing passer. Uh, he's the guy that I would take number one. Just I because, think he's pretty clearly number one, right? Well, not no. I mean, I th- uh, to me he is, but not according to a lot of people. I think a lot of people think Scal should go number one. Really? Um, I mean. Draft Express has Scal mm-hmm. going number one. Uh, I know ESPN has Simmons number one, but it's not Universal Simmons. Uh, I mean, it could end up being a, an Okafor Towns type of situation. Where I mean, last year at the start of the college season, it was Okafor, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it not yeah. maybe not a hundred percent, but it was Okafor was the clear front runner. And as the season went on, he didn't really do anything to diminish that. But other guys started emerging. The Towns thing is, so much is better. like uh, Simmons isn't a guy that is gonna you know fall off at all i don't think so if you have simmons number one right now i don't see how that changes if you have scal number one right now scal could get better as the season right. goes on so that could like reaffirm your stance on that, scal, that is but. true i think Le- Le- is it first of all is it labissier or labissier labissier 
Okay, they kept saying, was it Raftery who was calling the game? Kept saying Labissier, but I've heard it both ways. I feel like it should be Labissier. That's just a cooler pronunciation. Yeah, yeah that's how, that's what I'm going yeah, with. We're going with Labissier. Um, but yeah, like you said, he has more room to improve. I think he's he's already considered a top two, three guy, and he has maybe the most room to to jack up his stock over the next couple months. Right. When you like the reason why like like uh, I can see why some like NBA teams would have Scal atop their boards just because whenever there's a guy that big that can shoot like that and move like that, it's just uh, really hard to pass up. You see what Porzingis is doing. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, there's going to be a temptation to try to get the next one of those guys, and that could be Scal, but I think uh, Simmons is is safer, similar upside. I think the way the game's going today, a wing that can do what he does is just as valuable as a big that can do what Scal does, so I don't really see, you know, I think think everyone's smart enough at this point to not make any kind of like Odin over Durant type of moves anymore. Just be, go for the center type of thing. So that mentality is still there, though. Overall, isn't it? The, the it might be. Of, it might be with like. I feel like it might be with like six or seven teams. But I think the majority of teams are aware that having the best player, if he's a wing, is better than having a, a center. So I mean, those two guys are the clear number one and two. Uh, what did you think of Brandon Ingram? Because I thought he was actually the most athletic player on the court in that game uh, for Duke, and he didn't have like the box score. He didn't didn't look good. Uh, only eighteen minutes or nineteen minutes, but I understand why he's in the mix to be like the third guy taken in that draft. Yeah, I mean, he's maybe the most. If you're looking at all these top prospects, he's maybe the most. Uh, I guess the rawest, but also having arguably one of the highest ceilings. I mean, what? Who is his comp? Most most common, uh, I think it's well, like Durant. Right? I made the Wiz Khalifa comp. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways. I mean, he, he has that kind of like just chill look all the time. The hairs there, Got the tats. He's super skinny. He's way bigger than he was. I mean, watching him in high school though, and like I mean, yeah. he still looks extremely skinny. But I think what they said, he put on like twenty or thirty pounds, and it's noticeable. I mean, he was that just speaks to how skinny he was before. Yeah, and he's he's one of those guys who, uh, you know, almost looks like he should have gone to Baylor, like just based on. Uh, how raw he is and how much potential there is but I I love the fact that he is going to be coached by coach K all year I think he's going to get better as the year goes on and I love the fact that this Duke team is really kind of lacking in talent so he's going to have to play for them and in order for them to be a a title contender at the end of the year it's going to be because he comes along as a player so I, I like the situation for him and really on the board Nobody can really match his upside after Labissier and Simmons, so that's why I think he'll be a top five pick. Does he have the highest bust potential? I just don't see any guy after those guys that, like, even say that he's like a, I don't know, 30 40% chance he busts, I'd still rather take him than a guy like, I don't know, uh, I mean, who would you even? Well, okay, well, put we're in that assuming mix. you know Simmons, Labissier, okay, so, Jalen Brown. I think will go ahead of him. Jamal Murray. You look down as like no, if it's I, like him no. or like Justin Jackson. Like, no, I think I think Ingram could go ahead of Brown. I think I think Ingram could go. Third I was impressed overall. with Jalen Brown from what I've seen, and again, it's you know it's pretty low so, competition at this point. In the let's year. talk about Jamal Murray because I would take Ingram over Murray, and Murray's probably going to be in the mix to go you know five, six, yeah, something like. that. I love Jamal Murray, but I think he's fairly I, limited as far as like what his peak, peak, peak could I be. I just don't know what I think about him because I don't think he's. I like I, I wrote in the piece like I think he's a third or fourth option like when he gets to the league. Like I don't see him being a number two option on a good team. Like he just 
His yeah. shot is – it's like one of those shots where, you know, he might shoot like 35 38% from three in college, and I still would have my doubts about him shooting at a high clip from three in the NBA. It's not a really pure stroke. Uh, he's only 6'5". So not the, the crazy athlete that you want that high in the draft at the guard spot, no. right? He's, if you're not going to be a knockdown shooter, you kind of have to be that next-level athlete. Yeah, so – I think he can be, you know, maybe a top 10, top 12, two guard in his prime, but that's not a guy that you build your team around. And right. No, no, definitely not a team, a build your team around guy. Maybe this is where it starts to come in, where you look at a guy who's projected to go fourth, fifth, sixth, and maybe it isn't that deep of a draft. I think there could be some studs at the top, but it could taper off pretty quickly I mean, where you're looking at role players in the yeah, top 10. Yeah, if you're picking that high, you basically are looking for – a superstar right which is why i would go with ingram and just hope that he can continue to add uh some bulk and work on his shot because if if he can become like a solid shooter and he can add say another 20 pounds over the next two years then i think he could be looking at a potential one or two on right. the team so that that's kind of where i would go maybe J- yeah jalen brown i would take ahead of murray too but jamal murray's the type of guy that you want to add to like an already pretty good core right you know if you're like and I don't know if this is the greatest example, but if you're like the Celtics, you know, you're getting all these these kind of random first round picks maybe coming your way this year. And if Jamal Murray's sitting there at like number seven or eight, I think he's a great guy yeah. to add to that core. If you're the well, Sixers, I don't know if Jamal Murray necessarily does that much for you. But they the Celtics don't have a star on that team. Right. So I think they need a star just as much as any sure. of those those. Yeah, those that might and that might not teams. be the best example. Um, I don't I don't know what a better one like, would be. Who's, well, like, who's someone I, with like a young star? Well, like I could see I, I could see like Murray getting Justice Winslow comps, and right. I think that like the situation Winslow went to would be a perfect situation yes, exactly. for Murray to sure. go to. Uh, I don't think he's as good as Winslow. I don't. No. I don't think they're comparable in that way. But that's the guy that I could see him getting comp to. Uh, Chris Dunn, I'd probably rather have than. Yes, than I think Murray. Chris Dunn's upside is there. He's a bigger guard. He's a little more a little more athletic. I think he sees the floor better right now. Obviously, he's older. Um, who does Jamal Murray remind you of the most? I was thinking like Kyle Lowry a little bit. Lowry obviously is a little smaller, handles the ball a little bit more. Um, but I think like a mixture of like Deion Waiters in the way that he shoots and the way that he the way that he kind of looks, I guess, on the court. Uh, and Kyle Lowry. Um, he doesn't really remind me of of anyone. Uh, you know, I I see like a little bit of this. I hate when people like just cop out and say like poor man's this or like right. this person with a jump shot or whatever but uh, kind of you know poor man's Dwayne Wade like poor sure. poor man's Dwayne Wade like not I'm not comparing the two guys no. at all but like just kind of in that he's 6'5 can't I don't think he's gonna ever be a 40% shooter from three uh, can finish a little bit can be can cause havoc on defense but not as athletic as Dwayne obviously so I mean he's got limitations um, just like maybe a less athletic Dwayne Wade, I guess. And and the thing that I, d- I didn't really like about what I saw from that one game uh, or against uh, Duke is that he's kind of a chucker. Like, a little bit. Like yeah. they don't need anyone on that team to be taking 17 shots. In a there game. was one, I think there was, a, I think there was an offensive rebound, LeBissier grabbed, kicked it out, and Murray just kind of took one dribble and launched up yeah. a, a contested three with like 16 seconds on the clock. And – like with Tyler, like that ball should be in Tyler useless hands uh, whenever. Always. So just like give it to him, let him do what he does, and get you an open shot. Like you're not mm. 
playing on like the nets. Like you don't have to just hoist it up whenever you get the ball. Like just just run the offense. You're playing against a, a weak Duke team. You're Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Like nobody should be chucking on that team. So uh, that's kind of concerning. What about a guy? Uh, what about like Wes Matthews? Is kind of a comp for him. Probably a little bit yeah. better of a playmaker, but just like that, that kind of defender. Yeah, I like that. Really could be a really, really, really valuable player, but not a guy that could ever run his own team or even be a second option. I, I think that's a really good one because coming out, I don't think anyone would have predicted Matthews to become as good a three-point oh, shooter as he became. Definitely so, not. so that it's definitely a comp that fits sort of for, for college especially. Right. I think, I mean, Murray's obviously a much bigger prospect at this point right. than, than Wes ever was, but... You know, Wes also has turned into a damn good NBA player. I mean, if Wes had gone to, like, Duke or Kentucky, like, I think people would have viewed him that way. I think mm-hmm. the fact that he went to Marquette um, definitely always – Well, he went to Marquette, and he was, like, the him. third best player on what was, like, a really, really good team. And the, the other two guys never – I don't even know if they've mm-hmm. ever played a game in the NBA. I think – what's his name? Jarrell McNeil is yeah. stuck around. He's usually in Bulls camp every year but never makes the Who's roster. Who's the other guy? Uh, Dominic James. Oh, <laughs> Well, yeah. for like for like there for yeah. there was a year that if Dominic James would have came out after his sophomore year, he would have been a top ten pick. He should have been uh he should have been another guy the Sixers rastered. Yeah, right. Started. He <laughs> I actually read recently he played overseas, you know, the typical route for a former college star turned not that good NBA player. Played overseas for a couple years and then quit basketball to start a business with his wife nice. where they send balloon grams. Nice. Not making this up. So you can order online. I like that. And they'll send you this, like, box. And when you open it, balloons self-inflate and, like, fly out. That's like pretty a great. Happy, like a happy birthday or sorry about your divorce type no. stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we can, we can certainly look into it. Maybe we can get a sponsorship <laughs> going here. Um, all right, other prospects at the top. We'll stick with Kentucky for now. I want to get your thoughts on Tyler that ah, Tyler Eulis, <laughs> excuse me. Um, is Tyler Eulis the best point guard in college basketball? no because chris dunn's a point guard but sure. uh ulis is something else though i i think he was the most impressive player in this game to me and he was the best game, in a game filled yeah, with impressive he players. was the best player like right. I, I don't think that's debatable like if you watch that game and thought like jamal murray played better than tyler ulis you are dead wrong because ulis played uh all 40 minutes and he had a six to zero assist to turnover ratio, and he was handling the ball for like I don't know what his usage was, but it had to have been like sixty percent <laughs> like on Kentucky possessions, so to have zero turnovers, very impressive uh you know very efficient i think when when he picks his spots to score a guy that really if he's your point guard, you can win a national championship, and it doesn't really matter who the other pieces are. he's that kind of a college point guard. To you, is he just like one of these classic, really, really good college point guards who you just don't see has much of a future in the NBA? Or do you think at I think five, he can nine, carve he can out a role? Like, I think he could have, uh, I don't know if he's ever going to be a starter, but. I mean, is he better than like a Peyton Siva type of guy who we just like kind of knew was awesome at Louisville, but you just, you just knew he wasn't going to fit in the league? Yeah. I thought. I actually thought Siva had a chance just because, I mean, he was a I mean, he was freaky drafted. athlete. Yeah. Like, I thought he could have been uh, a really nice defensive point guard. But uh, Ulysses could maybe have, like, a Jameer Nelson type of sure. career where sure. he's always on a roster because he can run the show, but he's never viewed as, like, the ideal starting point guard. So he mm-hmm. might – I mean, his size is really going to be 
interesting. I hate saying guys like I I would I refuse to say that like Tyus Jones can't play in the NBA because right. of his size, and I don't want to say that about. Well, Ulysses is a good like two inches shorter than Tyus Jones, right? Yeah. Like if Tyler Ulysses was five eleven, would we be talking about him as a first round pick? I mean, Chris Paul 5'11". Was 5'11". Um, yeah. Not that Ulysses is Chris Paul, but you know. I think if he was 6'1", you might be talking about him as a lottery pick. Oh, for sure. Uh, At 6'1", absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to – when you're that size, you really have to just bring it, like, every single night. And right. I think he can do that. I think, I think he he's got yeah. the, that kind of a heart. Like, Coach K was just gushing about him after that game and kind of understandably so. I think he's the type of guy that every coach in college would just – you know, do whatever they needed to do, uh, violate any NCAA rule they needed to to get him <laughs> on the team. I mean, he's the type of guy that you would want, you know, shooting big free throws at the end of a game. You'd want him handling the ball at the end of a big game. So uh, definitely love watching him play. I think he's going to be a second-round pick and probably stick around in the league for five or six years. Am I wrong? Didn't didn't Ulysses initially commit somewhere else? And wasn't he – he was like a last-second addition to that Kentucky class last year. I wanted to say like Michigan – could be I could just be completely I'm not sure making this up, but I thought they Kentucky lost out on someone and they were able to like flip Ulysses. Like uh, it does seem like him being on that team would have been kind of blind luck, right? Like he's not oh, the yeah. typical Kentucky recruit. You know, he he's a guy that probably really wanted to play for Kentucky, and they were just like, all right, fine, right. Here you go. I think I want to say maybe Michigan State was the team he was he was going to go to. I don't know. Either way, Kentucky obviously scored. They they looked out. And and you know, he's going to probably stick around for like when do you think he leaves? Do you think he goes all 4 years? That's I if you're an SEC team, you hope to God he doesn't, but at the same time it's like if he's projected as like a late second round pick, what incentive do you really have? Like well, why not just dominate the college level for Try a to win a couple years? of titles. Like if you're Cal, you want him to stick around because I think Playing with Ulysses would be an attractive draw for a lot of yep. recruits. Like you, you could yep. re- recruit guys. Well, we've talked that. about this in the past too about like the, the Kentucky system of you know bringing in five guys in, five guys to the draft every year. It it can hurt and help them when guys don't perform. Like Alex Poitras is a huge asset for this team mm-hmm. now. A guy that people thought would be gone two or three years ago to the NBA draft. All of a sudden, you have this this older guy that you can mix in with these freshmen. Or a guy like Patrick Patrick Patterson. Yes, Patrick Patterson along. I mean, he was a junior with, what, Cousins, Wall, Wilcher. And and then he got to play on the... Do you get to play with AD for one? No, I don't think he did. I think he left with with Cousins and Wall. But he got to play on, like, multiple... Multiple Final Four teams, I think. Maybe, maybe I'm making that. Up. But I, I he think was, he was he there. Was a, he was there part of the previous. Wasn't regime. he a four year guy though? I, I thought, thought he was three years. For four years. He, I mean, we, we can double that. check that. Um, I thought he was. His, he went out with Wall and Cousins, who only made the Elite Eight, I believe. Some, somehow, I mean, that's that's kind of ridiculous <laughs> to think. Like, I think I still think that was the best Kentucky team. I mean, obviously Davis's team and, was, was something and else, uh, Bledsoe, right? Right. Terrence Jones was a two year guy. Oh yeah, they had yeah they had Bledsoe. Just unbelievable talent on that team, but. Yeah, I mean, you look at guys now. Even Cauley Stein, he was a he wasn't a freshman last year. Just being able to kind of mix those guys, I think, has been huge. And you know, if you can get Ulysses to stick around, maybe it impacts you being able to go and grab some of the elite point guard prospects out there. But if your goal is to win a national title, I think you'll take junior Tyler Ulysses over over a stud freshman, right? Right, and you could, you know, assuming you're going after the right type of point guard uh, that's willing to maybe play off the ball a little bit. If he wants to go to Kentucky. You know, say he gets 
10 minutes a game at point guard and then 15 minutes a game at shooting right. guard. I don't think that that's necessarily a, a deal breaker. And a lot of these guys, as long as they don't just completely bomb in their one season, it doesn't really even matter. Yeah. Like if, you know, if you're a top five, top three recruit especially, and you're going to Kentucky, as long as you well, don't get hurt. Or even just, like Archie Goodwin, who did yeah. bomb, is still in the league. <laughs> like so what's like, Deron Lamb? I mean, yeah, he's not in the league anymore, I mean, but he got drafted. It, yeah, it, it's not – it's not hard to no. get, and yeah, I mean, there's plenty of crappy centers, right. like Dakari Johnson, and you know whoever. Dakari uh, Johnson. <laughs> there's got you. You can get <laughs> what's drafted. his big George yeah. Harrelson. Um, yeah, I mean, look at this Kentucky backcourt. Even in the one game that we were able to see on Tuesday, like loads more enjoyable to watch than I the think, Harrison's dribble drive, yeah, chuck the, the ball at the backboard. And we so. haven't talked about Isaiah Briscoe, but he's gonna he, go. He's gonna go in the first round. Yep. And him and Murray and Ulis just wreaking havoc on defense. Is this the best guard trio in the country? It's gotta, gotta be. be. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I can't but even. But they're think gonna. Else they're gonna. Close. Like when they, if they ever like down like eight points or something in a big game, those three guys just pressing and wreaking havoc on defense can get them back into any game in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think any lead against Kentucky is really going to be safe this year. So uh, really going to be fun to watch them, especially as we get closer to tournament time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's interesting, the strength of that Kentucky team last year was its front court. Obviously, they're now, you know, Libissier I don't think is quite Carl Towns, uh, and they don't obviously have Collie Stein there to help him out either. So the guards now the strength of this Kentucky team. Do you want to talk about Marcus Lee at all? The guy who's a, an upper class. I like Marcus Lee a little bit. Uh, not as a guy that's going to be a big help in fantasy when he gets to the bigs, but uh, he's one of those guys that's going to stick around for a while because he can protect the rim, he hustles, and he's going to be super efficient. Like he, I, I kind of threw a Brandon Wright comp on him. Uh, just you know, guy that's always going to shoot better than 50% from the field can't really shoot so it's going to be a lot of putbacks a lot of stuff in close but uh really good hustle guy off the bench like uh you're maybe your fourth big on the death chart he's one of those guys that's a little bit tough to project because he plays with so much talent around him and has obviously had limited minutes like if he was playing at a different major school you know throw him on i don't know iowa state whatever it might be mm-hmm. like this is a guy who might be, be being talked about as a borderline lottery pick if he sticks around this long i mean he's an elite recruit a guy who's just kind of got caught in the wash i like between... that he well it's good that he came back it's right. good that he didn't just settle didn't for being a second round pick last year and now that the, this kentucky team is not as loaded as a lot of other kentucky teams especially in the front court so he's going to get big minutes he's going to get plenty of opportunities to play like 30 minutes against a really good team uh in the tournament and stuff like that so he's going to have opportunities to kind of show what he can do i mean where dakari johnson got drafted right last year like, like mid 40s or something yeah like know. mid second round and like he barely played yeah, so i mean that just kind of yeah. shows the effect that just being on this roster has yeah. on a draft you basically uh, in my opinion like you don't want to do even like a daniel orton like you don't want to oh, do God. that you want to do you want to come back if you're in that position, and if Cal doesn't want you back, you just do uh, Kyle Wilcher and transfer somewhere and kill it. So right. like, those are the two best options. You don't want to go to the league early and just kind of fizzle out yep, when you're exactly. not ready. Um, all right, any other prospects that you want to talk about? Um, I do want to just touch on Grayson Allen sure. because I I think that it's super easy to kind of say that you know he's the white Duke guy and you know he's not going to do anything in the NBA. I actually think he will be a rotation guy in the NBA. He was a high recruit, you know, McDonald's All American, uh, great. He's athlete. not your typical white guy, too. Yeah, no. he's a very very good athlete. He can handle the ball, can shoot, and it. and if he can get to the point where he's like 
a 38, 40% shooter from three, like I think he could end up being a starting two guard in the league, like if on a, like a low end starting two mm-hmm. guard. But I mean, I think he's got uh, the rest of the tools to kind of do that. But what you're going to have to know is that when he plays teams like Kentucky this year, like really good teams when he plays a Virginia or, or whatever, uh, it's not going to look that great because his team kind of sucks and he's going to want to, try to do too much like he was trying to do too much in this game so how many times did it seem he would drive right and kind of throw up right. a swooping layup and you just you just can't get that over guys like Labissier. and his it, yeah it's it's important to point out that like you know his his best his two best teammates are Emil Jefferson and Marshall Plumley, guys who are going to be uh you know late second rounders they're probably going to have a Plumley look good a in bit of game, a career in the NBA as like backup bigs but you know his you know guys like uh brandon ingram's not really ready to be a big time help i don't i don't like matt jones i know he scored a bit in that game but he's not a prospect at all so uh grayson allen i like him a lot he's gonna have some big games against crappy teams but he's probably gonna have some stinkers against good teams brandon ingram totally goes against like the typical duke type of freshman right like doesn't doesn't he just like the way he looks like he looks so kentucky to me he's got more tattoos than the last 20 duke <laughs> freshmen combined oh yeah not even that i just mean like <laughs> just like being raw and like long gangly like that just seems like the type of guys that have that have been funneled into kentucky and like duke typically avoids guys well, I that, said, are that raw. i said he's a baylor guy oh, like, oh he's not God. even a he's not even a he's not even a kentucky guy he's a baylor <laughs> so guy. that is even more true like quincy miller <laughs> yeah, all over yeah. again or what's his name perry uh, jones like who, oh god yeah. yeah he actually kind of looks like perry jones who is the other the dunker deuce fellow yeah i think yeah. he's playing in some i don't even know where yeah. now not a baylor anymore no uh, Missouri, maybe he might have transferred who again. Um, but yeah, I mean, any other prospects we can touch on? Jalen Brown has looked good in, in limited time for Cal. They have Ivan Rab as well. Two guys that will probably not really figure out exactly what they're about until the Pac-12 season begins. Um, no, nah, I think that I think we're good. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll probably hit on some more guys. It's just tough. I don't want to talk too much about guys that haven't played against. Right. Uh, similar competition like that's uh, Ben Simmons I don't want to talk too much about him because they haven't played anybody and mm-hmm. you know you're going to see guys uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll talk about guys like uh, Karis LeVert and stuff like that once they sure. once they get into playing uh, better competition but Henry Ellenson uh, another guy we can talk about mm-hmm. later but yeah I think we're we're good for today all right, yeah, that should wrap it up. Like we said, three games in the NBA on this Thursday, Wait, Kings how, Heat. How do you get a subscription, a free 10-day subscription to Rotoway? James, that's such a good question. If you just go to rotowire.com slash free, you'll be taken to a screen where you can sign up for free 10 days of access. Or, even, or even slash pod. Slash pod. Like, again, like I think we said on the last podcast, if you just try any word, like it's basically <laughs> DraftKings yeah. at this point. You can yeah. just like type in something, and there's like a, a non-zero chance that you'll get a free 10 days. Right. Um, you can call us. Uh, we won't answer the phone, but our, our the, the great Jake Latarski probably will. I can he guarantee can you, you I won't answer the phone <laughs> if you call. I can, it's been known that's to a promise. That's you might promise. get lucky and get Zine on the phone. Who knows? You could get any, um, any number of people that aren't me could answer the phone. Right. So there are many ways. If you want 10 days of access for free to the site, let us know on Twitter. Go on, go on the internet on the World Wide Web uh, and redeem that yourself. You can read James's write-up about that Duke and Kentucky game focusing on the NBA prospects. You can read all of our other NBA content as well as every other sport. Uh, so be sure to do that. Again, we are sponsored by DraftKings. They are the leader in daily fantasy sports. They're going to kill the love of my life Daisy! if I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. 
How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on Earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide-open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com.